you know, you could have just sat home and you could have moped and said, this is miserable. But you said, hey, let me call up my friend Maddie and let's have a podcast and let's get Matt on the phone. And so you thought, what could I do in this moment? Like, yes, you're stuck home, but we can still sit here and we can Skype and we can connect and we could still socialize even though we're practicing social distance. All right, so that's one of the things. Like, who could you reach out to that you haven't reached out to before? You can still, maybe I can start focusing on my health. A lot of us have all these... um goals for our health but then we don't do anything because in our heads we're too busy right now we can do things you're gonna say oh wow darwin's trolling me because do not believe in the idea of gdp and aggregate demand you are a hundred percent wrong here i know you don't like it i'm telling you i'm telling you to start thinking about reality and not what you want to be true welcome to lofty darwinism it is a uh three-way facetime today uh which is the first time that matt and i have done something like that in a long time um and uh, I wanted to bring my friend Maddie, who is a doctor of what? What's what's your official title, Maddie? I'm a clinical psychologist, so I'm a licensed clinical psychologist in New York, and I have my PhD in clinical psychology. Great. Okay, I wanted to bring you on because you've been talking about uh, mental health in the age of pandemic. Do you have uh, any general starting thoughts for us to, you know, wrap our minds around? I have plenty of thoughts, actually. <laughs> Um, so yes, the answer is yes. So one of the things, especially I think during a pandemic and just in general, is there's a big focus on physical health in our society. And there's an acceptance about doing things for your physical health and making that a priority. But mental health in a lot of ways is still misunderstood. It's still stigmatized. It's something that isn't focused on, which is really sad because it's so much connected to our physical health and the two of those are so intertwined that looking at only one of them, looking at only physical health and focusing on that, you're forgetting just half of the picture. And that can cause a lot of destruction and it can make people to more vulnerable to physical ailments. So I have a lot of thoughts. <laughs> yeah, the cat was slowly creeping towards the screen. I was like, yeah, this is why I didn't close the back door and it was just all happening. No, and uh, so how are cats for me? <laughs> they actually can be very soothing, depending uh, on the cat. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yes. Uh, you know, usually what is very soothing, sometimes insanely annoying, so I'm not sure how, how you, that works. How, but uh, How would you rate how we're all cat. responding to this right now? How would I rate that on what a scale of zero to ten or? yeah like zero to ten and like zero being we're freaking out we're like bill paxton and aliens um and number 10 is we're i don't know we're great we're we're zen we're i don't know the dude the dude <laughs> um, well we're definitely not the dude um i think they were a little bit on the higher end of that scale um if we're going from one to ten, I would say maybe a seven, whereas in ten is you know panicking and zero is Zen dude. I would say we're probably a seven. I, I think it's a little nerve wracking because um, this is a pandemic and it's very scary and it's affecting a lot of us, and it is something that could potentially be worse. And so the fact that we're already fighting over toilet paper and panicking and having a hard time i think is a little nerve-wracking so i I would give us like maybe a seven (laughs) yeah so so on that note um 
When we look at Maslow's uh-huh. hierarchy of needs here, and we crumble down from the top to, oh God, we don't have enough toilet paper and or food for survival in our worst case scenario. Like, have we been living too long? Like close to the, like, I mean, like, is there, is like our wealth inequality also like a hierarchy of needs inequality as well? Like people up the top have had enough money to be thinking they're self-actualizing, even if it's just like narcissism and, uh, you know, and everything else. And like, hey, maybe we're going to get a little clearer at the bottom. I don't know. (laughs) So do you think that this is equalizing all of us? Is that what you're asking? I think a virus is somewhat equalizing in a certain way. Like it does, I mean, it doesn't matter. I mean, look who's getting sick right now. It's the global elites first. Like our, our Congress people are getting sick. Our basketball players are getting sick. The Iranian parliament is getting sick. Like it's a, I mean, and and it's getting everyone else too, but like, it is like sort of like world war one for great Britain. Everyone's in this. We can pretend it's not. And like, it, hopefully it's not that bad, but like it could get any person. We're all having to deal with whatever this is going to be. And like, you know, you can have all the money in the world, but unless you want to just live in a bubble and you know, yeah. that it's just, it doesn't matter. You're, you, it is somewhat leveling, yeah. I think. And that's, well, important. I think it is definitely um, an equalizer in that way. Um, your comparison though, um, highlights a misunderstanding of the hierarchy of needs. Um, so with the hierarchy of <laughs> good, good. <laughs> so with the hierarchy of needs, there's this idea that you can't reach self actualization unless the bottom needs are taken care of. And actually, newer evidence is saying that you can go back and forth between the different levels. That you don't necessarily have to have all the bottom levels completely taken care of in order to self actualize. That you might miss some of those like you know fundamental needs and still be able to self actualize. So rich people aren't more necessarily able to self actualize than just the rest of us who don't have enough toilet paper. Like, we could still self-actualize. <laughs> uh, I, I agree. I, I should have mischaracterized that. I think I think being rich creates its own level of narcissism that keeps self-actualization and problem. Like, it, I don't think that... Be, but, like, if once we... But, but a lot of us aren't worried about very basic needs anymore in a way that, you know, we, we could be in other times. And I think actually worrying about those basic needs may allow us, like you said, to be, you know, too self... Some people too self-actualized to realize... Oh my God, look how much I don't need around me. You know, what am I, like, what can I mentally have? So yeah, like, no, like, no, I, I completely and, and agree. I'm sorry, I shouldn't in, have characterized I, it like that. I feel that. like this is, like, this has to be unprecedented from a psychological just research perspective. Like, I can't think of a time when the entire world quarantined itself so dramatically over such an immediate short amount of time in an age of such mass communication. Oh yeah, Absolutely. Absolutely. And I think one of the challenging pieces of that is um, one of the most evidence-based interventions in psychology is cognitive behavior therapy. Um, It's the most used, most well-known. And a big piece of that is challenging people's cognitions. So, you know, if they're having some unreasonable thought or unhelpful thought of something, you help them to recognize that it's, you know, that maybe doesn't fit the facts or that there's a different way to think of things. You help them challenge their thinking and that affects how they feel. And so I think one of the hard things as a psychologist is that this is really scary, right? This is affecting the whole world. And so a lot of our fears are in a way justified. And so it's not as easy to challenge that as it might be for some other fear that isn't as grounded in reality. And so I think that, you know, that kind of like highlights your point, like this is like unprecedented. So we're really figuring out new ways to, to deal with all of this. 
So what role would you see like psychology playing like from your perspective, from your field? Like I see you posting a lot about mental health on Instagram. Like what is your view of the role that clinical psychology can have in the current moment? What can have in the, it can have a bunch of different purposes in the current moment and it should. So one of those is um, promoting and teaching ways of how to cope in a healthy way with all the different stressors that are coming up because we all have these different emotions. The emotions are really natural, but the thing is that a lot of people haven't been taught how do you deal with your emotions. And when you have those emotions, how do you bring them back down to a level that is manageable? So coping skills are going to be really important. Another thing is just even understanding emotions because there's also a misunderstanding about emotions so that when we have an emotional experience, sometimes we create these stories around them that aren't accurate. Like, oh, I shouldn't be feeling this way or it's wrong that I feel this way or I'm weak because I feel this way. And so having a a clearer understanding of emotions can also help us interpret things better. And then just processing the situation, like our understanding of the situation, our understanding of our ability to handle it, all of that can really impact us also. So we can go through the situation and we can feel capable and we can feel empowered or we can go through it and we could feel hopeless and feel like we just have no way of dealing with it. And, you know, the latter way of processing it is going to be really damaging and that could impact us in the future too. Yeah. The, the, the hopelessness and not no ability to take action is the most potentially damaging, in my opinion, part of this entire thing. It's like, I, I and it, this could be different if you see different studies, but my understanding is, um, as far as PTSD rates for people in war, special forces actually have lower PTSD rates than, say, people who are just like having to work uh, as mechanics or in, in lines where they're just in a truck on a line where they're with all the other trucks and worried about an IED or an ID. Like that, that the fact that they don't have agency, in fact, makes the trauma more difficult to process. And I worry that if we take away our agency in this time, uh, that that will be true for us, but maybe the self quarantine is a level of agency. I don't know. Yeah, it kind of lagged right there. So I hope you're finished. I'm just going to start answering. <laughs> um, I think one of the. <laughs> oh, okay, yeah, I, was okay. I didn't know you were still going on my end. <laughs> um, but. One of the things when it comes to agency is having an understanding of that agency is something that we create. It's not something that is given to us or allowed to us from some sort of outside entity like the government or, you know, someone in our lives. Um, and so it's kind of this, it's the, um, the locus of control. Like where does your locus of control lie? Do you feel that it's internal or, do, or you feel that it's outside, that other people are determining what you can and can't do? And so we get to say that we get to say what we have agency over and we get to focus on what we have agency over. And that is going to create that ability to feel capable and feel empowered and feel like we can handle something, which promotes mental health. So where should that be when the actual locus? For a lot of us, we have evidence that the locus is very much outside of us. You know, like we have to stay home right now. You know, like we're not controlling that. That's that's, That's some external force. How do you still feel like you're... You're the agent in that scenario. That is a fantastic question because it does feel like a lot of things are being taken away from us. And when you say that, my thought automatically goes to this psychologist. His name is Viktor Frankl. And he was a psychologist for um, existential therapy. 
And he created a whole theory around this. And he was in Nazi concentration camps. And so he was saying that even inside of a Nazi concentration camp, that you can still focus on what you're capable of doing. And he said that people can take everything away from you, but the thing that they cannot take away from you is the ability to choose your own attitude. And so even in a concentration camp, he was still able to say, what can I control? What can I focus on? And by focusing on even if it's his attitude, even if it's his way of thinking, that that freedom couldn't be taken away from him. And that empowered him to get through a concentration camp, which is, you know, I think worse than what we're experiencing, right? So it doesn't necessarily matter your circumstances. Yes, circumstances definitely make it harder, right? It's definitely more challenging right now. And we can still focus on what we can do because there are still things that we can do. Uh, like what? Like what? Um, we can, like even what we're doing right now, because of this, you reached out to me to have a podcast. And I haven't spoken to you in a while, right? Unfortunately. <laughs> yeah, I know. Um, I and know. so that's one of right? And so that's one of the things that, you know, you could have just sat home and you could have moped and said, this is miserable. But you said, hey, let me call up my friend Maddie and let's have a podcast and let's get Matt on the phone. And so you thought, what could I do in this moment? Like, yes, you're stuck home, but we can still sit here and we can Skype and we can connect. And we could still socialize even though we're practicing social distance, right? So that's one of the things. Like, who could you reach out to that you haven't reached out to before? You can still, maybe I can start focusing on my health. A lot of us have all these um, goals for our health, but then we don't do anything because in our heads we're too busy. Right now we can do things. So question for you, as I think this has prompted a lot of reflection in me, but I like dealing with, like, I love that you dealt with Victor Frankl, that which uh, to, gets to give light must endure burning. It's one of the last things I quoted to my kids who I teach was like talking about him. Um, but uh, what do you do if you're taking this time for reflection and you hit one of the, like, look, it, it's, it's hard to reflect properly. Like you're going to hit crisis moments in that process. And I think that like, yeah, this is a good time for that for a lot of people, but you might not have the support around you. As you're going through this, you know, it might hit you. It might be, it may just be anxiety and you're in and, and nonsense talking in your head and not actually any sort of contemplative analysis of your life. And then deciding between the two can be like incredibly difficult. Um, so how do you, what advice do you give people who do get too deep in their heads in times like this without enough social support? Um, definitely balance. If you spend the whole time that we're social distancing, self-reflecting, anyone is probably going to feel a little, you know, overwhelmed after that, right? Even the most healthy of us are going to probably mm -hmm. feel overwhelmed. So definitely balancing, like sometime you, you self-reflect and sometimes do other things. Um, and, and also a self-awareness to be um, able to recognize when your emotion is becoming more intense Right, because our emotions are on a scale. Just like Darwin asked me that question previously, like where would you rate us? Like things are on a scale, so it's not just like I'm angry or I'm not angry or I'm depressed and I'm not depressed. Like that's on a scale, so I could be a little bit sad. And and so if my scale is like one to ten or zero to ten, I could be a little sad. I could be like a four of sad, right? And if if I'm a four of sad, I could probably handle that. But then I need to have that self awareness that when my sadness or my anxiety is like a nine, then maybe I need to stop self reflecting and I maybe need to go do some different skills or distract myself to bring my emotion back down to a manageable level. So, so how do we teach all of America self awareness in the next <laughs> ten days? 
if you can answer that, like, please tell me because I would love to do that with all my clients. Um, I think we need to set rules. If I could, if I could answer that, like, I'd be world famous right now. So, um, I think we need to have reasonable goals. I don't think we're going to teach all of America how to do that in ten days. Yeah, yeah I didn't figure. I just, but like, you're like, hey, as long as we're self aware, we got a shot. And I'm like, well, you know, like that's a that's a big goal for a lot of people. I mean, hell's a big goal for me half the days. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, but even self awareness I mean, can be in um, little steps. Like that's also not just a light switch that's on or that's off. It's not like I am self aware. I'm not. Like even that. Yeah, everything's a verb. Right. Everything's yeah, the like you're doing little like things every day happening. to practice yeah. that. Like I could practice self-awareness by just making a checklist of how many times I check my Facebook during the day, because that could be an unaware behavior that I just always check my Facebook. I don't even know I'm doing it a hundred times. So if I say, you know what, this week since I'm home, I'm just gonna every time I open my app, I'm just gonna jot it down, just make a check mark on a piece of paper, and now I become more aware of my Facebook habits. So you can do it in little tiny ways too. But like, yeah, it, it, what what practical steps would you offer to people to kind of, you know, if somebody's listening to this right now, what's an action step you would give to them, you know, to kind of start their journey on mental health? One thing that I think is um, really helpful. Um, have you ever noticed that you have an emotion and then you can have an emotion about your emotion? Or like I could be, um, I could be anxious and then I could be sad that I'm anxious again. Right. I could be depressed and then I could be ashamed that I'm depressed. Right. And so that makes the experience doubly difficult. Okay. And a lot of these, those second layer of emotions are coming from the judgments and the way that we're interpreting our original emotions. So if I'm sad and I interpret that as, you know, a bad thing and I label it as bad, now I'm ashamed. Now I'm sad and ashamed. If I'm anxious and I say, um, this is terrible. I'm never going to stop being anxious. Now I'm hopeless and anxious. So I think, so I think one of the first things is practicing um, acceptance of our emotions and validation of our emotions. So accepting that this is part of being a human being. Everyone is anxious. Everyone is sad. Everyone is angry at some time, at some point. And some people are more prone to that. Just like some people are more prone to having, you know, lactose intolerance, right? And so they maybe can't have certain items. So some people are more prone to emotions and that's okay and that's natural. So first is that acceptance piece and the other one is validating. Like validate yourself. It's a, It makes sense that I'm anxious right now. Like look at everything that's going on, right? It makes sense. And so we could validate and accept our emotions while also wanting to change them and while also working on using our different coping skills. So that would be the first thing that I would say. What is it like to contemplate a society in which we've all suddenly stopped like kind of touching one another like i think as a species we're 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 often deprived of a touch of like you know hugs and intimacy in that way and as we all isolate ourselves and we all start experiencing each other as like virtual beings I feel like social media just kind of tends to like ramp everybody up into like an aggressive version of themselves. Like, can you speak a little to that of like where you think all of this is headed from like a psychological perspective in terms of like being these, you know, like isolated, sequestered, sitting humans? Um, hopefully a lot of us are sequestered with other human beings that we're still having some sort of contact with other people. Cause you're right. That physical contact is a big piece of being human and, a lot of times that's how we show love and feel connected is by physical contact. Um, 
That's a, I mean, that's a big question, Darwin. I, I don't know if I have the, the best answer. I think that, um, I think we live in a time where people um, have more of a desire and like a, a want to be more aware and to better themselves and to, and to grow. And so I hope that that will be one of the driving forces that gets us to um, educate ourselves on mental health and reach out to other people. So I hope that pulls through. Question for you. Um, so on that note, um, good and bad, what does the other side of this look like psychologically in your opinion? You've watched the other side of this of, of this event. Like you've seen it, smaller traumas. You've probably studied it psychologically what happens in these, but they they are not the whole globe at once. But but you have to have some idea thoughts as to like what do you think the other side of this looks like psychologically for us? Yeah, I, I for, think for that, psychologically, that. like what does it look like for survivors <laughs> of those things? In your best, Whoa, like, guys, like, what do you think? Um, so what that looks like really depends on what we choose to do during this time, right? Like it could look like coming out of this and having such deep gratitude for the connections that we do have, right? It could look, it could be like when you go on a, you know, you choose not to eat chocolate for a week and when you finally have it, it's just, you appreciate it that much more. Like it could be that, it could be that now I appreciate my health more. Now I appreciate my contacts more. Now I appreciate the freedoms that we have more. It could be that. Right? It could be us choosing to be empowered. It could be us recognizing that I'm really capable. I went through something really difficult and I came out the other end and I survived it and I look how capable I am as a human being. So it could be that we go through this and we get more empowered and more connected and more appreciative. Or we could, you know. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah I was like, you're doing a lot. I was like, yeah, not, yeah, it's like not all, not all children. It's like orchid children and daisy children or whatever, like orchid people and yeah, or yeah. I, 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 honestly, I, I, actually, man, like like not to be too morbid, but I I do like. I think that one of the things that makes a moment like this really scary is the unknown of it all. You know, like you, it's it's never as scary when you're going through it as it is in the abstract. And but but I do think that like, what would you say? If somebody called you up, you know, a client or a friend or whatever, and they said, my mother just got, you know, diagnosed positive for COVID-19 and they're headed to the hospital right now. And we all know that the hospitals are vastly over capacity. Like in, in, in a moment of crisis like that, how do we like orient ourselves to all kind of come together as a species and, and like do this without completely melting down? Yeah, that one is a hard one. I would say, especially in a moment like that, it's really important to to validate each other. Um, and so when validating each other isn't saying, well, at least your mother is 90 years old, right? Well, at least she's older. Or validating isn't saying like, oh, don't worry, you'll get through this. Like validating is saying, that is horrible. Like, I am so sorry. I don't even know what to say to that. Um, I don't, I'm not really even sure how to respond to that because that's really a hard thing to go through. And like saying that that emotion, that intensity of that emotion fits the situation, right? Like that's a normal, natural response to have when your mother is really sick and going to the hospital. So that would be like the first thing is like for us to recognize how do we actually validate each other? Um, and let, like letting that person express their emotions because a lot of times we don't know how to sit with uncomfortable emotions. So someone else has a hard time and we're like, oh my God, I don't know. I don't want to deal with that because I don't even know how to deal with that. And so we just kind of want to shut down and distance ourselves where instead we just need to be vulnerable with each other and just let that person vent and let and listen to them and just 
provide that emotional support, whether it is physically, if you could be with there, there with them, which I know we can't really do too much right now, but maybe it is just listening. Maybe it is just, you know, comforting them. Um, that would be one of the things. Um, and then like letting them go through their experience and not right away saying like, oh, you need to change that emotion. Oh, well, you got to get over that. Oh, you got to think positively. Like, no, they need to experience that emotion first. And then we can also support them with doing some other things of how can you support your mother? Maybe you want to write a letter to your mother. Maybe you want to, um, you know, go sit with her in the hospital. Maybe you want to do whatever it is. So I, I, I hope that answers the question. <laughs> sure. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. No, so that, that, that... That just reminded me of like I, I the the movie Frozen uh, and like and then there was a great like what should have happened and like the beginning when like she freezes her sister and the healer they're like you know make sure she doesn't lock her you know she's not scared of her powers and you're like well I guess we should lock her up in a tower for so long you're like no that's just absolutely terrible advice and like all the things the parents do just wildly misunderstand the situation and I sort of wonder that that'll sort of be our response like it'll just be like. And nope, we we missed the point of that sometimes. <laughs> um, and yeah, I'm mean, saying that, but I, you know, dark place. Uh, what, dark yeah, place it is. What role would you say uh, money plays in all of this? Money plays a huge role in a lot of things. Um, it plays a role because a lot of people are struggling financially because of the virus, because it does have uh, an economic impact on us. A lot of people are not able to work or being um, suspended from their jobs. And, and when you are struggling financially, that just impacts your stress and anxiety that much more. So that plays a huge role. And then also those who are more well off are going to be able to get more services and take better care of themselves and their experience of being quarantined is going to be completely different than someone who doesn't have a lot of resources. So it plays a huge role and it, it, it not even just now, like all the time it plays a huge role, right? Because the people who have resources are able to get therapists are able to take care of their mental health. Their mental health is just naturally a little bit better because they don't have that extra stress of, well, I mean, it might not be better, but there is not that stress of the financial piece of it. I mean, they might have plenty of other stressors, but at least that financial piece isn't there. I mean, so so something I was I was listening to about that. Um, you know, I always wonder about preppers and why the heck people are ever preppers. And I'm like, I don't understand. But then people are like, I've got eight months worth of canned goods and everything like that. And they're like, and the guy finally was like, it's not about me being able to hold up for eight months. It's that in a crisis, I know that I can help out people around me potentially. I can actually, and that gives you agency. Like we've talked, and that. You know, like I was like, oh, that makes a lot more sense because, like, who would want? Like, I've said, like, hey, let the asteroid hit me. Like, I don't, I don't see a way. Like, I don't see a world where I want to live in a bunker for ten months in that way because I've got the canned goods to do it. And when he explained it like that, well, most likely that's not going to be the situation. You're going to be able to give goods to your friends, and I experienced that myself, literally giving a friend toilet paper. Did you? Um, and, and, you know, and being like. <laughs> This is a weird. <laughs> yes, that's that's. It, there are some people who like, wouldn't have come. done that. But you know, he's got a <laughs> yeah, wife and kids. I gotta, like, I he's got a wife say, and kids, and was on our debate team. So yeah, paper that 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 is driving us all goddamn insane. Well, we have a very specific need for it. We know exactly how much we need at all times, and we're just backlogging it right now like crazy. Is, like, is there like a technical max term capacity? For being it's an really economic problem. Having like a, a poopy butthole. <laughs> Scared shitless. Yeah, right. <laughs> they were scared shitless. They don't need that, the toilet that, paper. Like, that, that is our biggest fear. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Is, I, I, I don't know. Ass is covered in poop. <laughs> Dude. 
<laughs> yeah, the transition when this all goes, if this all goes really, really far south, the transition off like indoor plumbing is oh going to be rough. People, you <laughs> oh know my what I'm god! Like, yeah. it's not going to be like, a great I'm world. ten floors up. I like it, when I dump my sewage out the window. It's going to go long. It's going to kill somebody. Oh gosh! <laughs> oh gosh! I'm glad I don't live under you. And coronavirus nineteen <laughs> happened. You know, it's just, just geez. The next one, just dear God, man. I surprised uh, Darwin, Darwin. I came to first class reels. I was trying to find someone to do my reel for me. The reason I wanted to get my reel done was because every like, agent I'd run into or manager would be like, so can I see some of your work? And I'd be like, I don't have a reel. When we were done and I sent it out to people I've been networking with and I got an agent out of it. And right now I'm talking to a manager after they've seen my reel. So it really was bang for my buck. Like. I got exactly what I wanted. So first class reels, do it. You will not regret it. Trust me. What is it like out there in New York right now, Maddie? Like, are you anywhere near New Rochelle? New Rochelle is, um, it's, it's a little bit past New York City. So for me to go to New Rochelle, probably take, like driving would maybe take an hour and a half. Oh, okay. So um, I used to work in that area because I worked in Yonkers and that's pretty close to New Rochelle. Um, yeah, so I can't tell like specifically how they're feeling, what's going on there right now. Yeah, but what is what is like the general New York like take on all of this? Like, like what's your current reality? Because I I see like I'm in LA, I'm in downtown Los Angeles, and like my like like the the people who live across the hall from me are like they're going out for brunch as of like yesterday. Like, so people are absolutely <laughs> unconcerned here. You know, like I don't see any real reaction to it yet. So New York is um, a really interesting place because you just go down like a couple miles and it's. It's completely different, right? So it's it's in some ways like very uh, segregated. So like Manhattan is very different than like Nassau County, which is very different than Suffolk County, and all of those are very different than uh, Westchester, which is where New Rochelle is. So it's all very different. Um, and so I'm out in Suffolk County, which is probably an hour outside of Manhattan. Um, and so I mean, in New York in general, there's a lot of anxiety. Everything. You know, a lot of, I guess I shouldn't say everything, but a lot of things are starting to go virtual. A lot of people are working from home. Um, for me, for my clients, we're offering um, telehealth sessions. So we're putting everything online. Um, so there's there's that. But then as you get closer to the city, it gets more and more chaotic. Like if you were to go into Queens, the stores are just empty. There's lines and lines of people trying to get things. There's more of a chance that people are going to start fighting over different things because there's just less of a product there. But then in Suffolk County, if you were to go into the store... Um, there's still different items that like you can still get things. You see some of the shelves are empty, but there's a lot more there. So there's less, I think of a, of a panic in Suffolk County than there is compared to New York city. And even when they're, um, discussing this, um, this, uh, shelter, uh, law that's for New York city. Last I heard was Manhattan, New York city. And so Long Island is just a little bit different. Like we're a little bit more calmer. <laughs> I love your accent so much. I feel like shots were fired. I don't really even understand. Like, I just feel like there was just like, okay, you just okay, subtweeted a yeah. lot of people. So, so, okay, in comparison like, to that, Matt, like what's it, like the it. mood in Amarillo in terms of the coronavirus? <laughs> well, pe- people are really starting to figure out a little bit. Like, we canceled school. Well, you can't cancel school. We, they're, not coming, they're not coming back to school even as teachers. We're going to have to practice social distancing on campus and probably won't be there all day, probably just to 
figure out what we need to do to do online learning. Honestly, I'm kind of looking forward to it as far as making me a better teacher, making me better at creating online classes, making me better at creating um, curriculum that kids can engage with on a bunch of different levels. And, you know, for economics, it'll be a lot of fun. Psychology will be a little bit of fun. That'll be fun too. But it's like, you know, we'll see how this all works out. Um, um, But it's different. And, Again, like I keep touching my face, I'm like you're not supposed to touch your face. And all I can think about is like <laughs> those sorts of things. But um, but I was, but now everyone's sort of catching up to this. We have two confirmed cases today at six o'clock. I literally got an email. It was like, hey, we had a plan to tell you what was up, and then we got two confirmed cases. So that may be changed a little bit. And it's like it's hard when you start to do the math or you start to do the realizations of what the math is leaving out. You know what I'm saying? With the realization of like. It's in 36, it's in all the states. We have only done so many tests. As soon as they start doing tests, they start finding people. And like, and I think that's beginning to catch up with everyone at different rates. Um, but it's also scary to realize because it's everyone's paycheck kind of, kind of depends on this not happening because we haven't really got secured anything yet. Um, and so, man, like, you know, denial's real, but so's a virus. <laughs> but I suppose I really yeah. like how when you were talking about um, having to go online and having to put all your classes, you said that in such a positive way. Like, oh, I get to learn how to do this, and I get to learn how to do that, and I'm going to learn this new skill. You could have said it like, this really sucks. I can't believe I have to do this. I don't want to learn all these new things. And instead of, like, looking at it in a negative way, you put it in a super positive way. Thank you. And I would really, I mean, I can be negative about stuff, but being negative about my own situation, I've found is not very good. Like you talk about having that loop of like judgment. I get mad at myself when I'm upset. That'll be the one I get mad at myself when I'm upset with someone or when I get, when I can't control my reaction properly. That's when I'll of course get in that feedback loop of why I'm upset with being upset. And like, that's not a, Uh you know, we all have those, right? You were talking exactly that. And so but no, I, and I really, I do want to learn how to be, I, like, I joked with the kids, I was like, here's what I'm going to do to teach y'all when we don't come back. Because I was telling them, I was like, we're probably not going to. I was like, click, and I've taught you. Because honestly, my class was already very mm-hmm. much set up for being online. Almost everything they could do, but now I get to make it better. I get to make it actually a good online class. Like, I don't make it that way because when I'm in class, if they were all online and they just looked at their notebooks all the time, that'd be terrible. Um, you know, so if you're in the room, like I wouldn't want to be in that room for that long. So, you know, yeah. but in, in the way, even it. just saying so, like, I get to do it like that again, we'll that's really positive. And you can, you know, praise yourself for that. Like you are taking this in a really positive way and maybe you're just used to that and it comes naturally, but that's a big skill to look at something and try to look at how it's a good thing and how it's positive instead of seeing the ways that it's a burden and that you don't want to do it. We could have a much deeper offline discussion that Darwin could clue you in on us to probably <laughs> the deeper nature, nature of psychology. Okay, uh, I'll just and, make and, guesses. Uh, you know, like, as I'll say, I'll say this right now. It's like, you know, my, my mom decided she was going to move to L.A. when I was 15. So I had to learn uh, from Amarillo. So I had to learn about acceptance at some point uh, all the time of my life since then. So, um, but yes, making sure it's actually positive and, and being real about it. Because, like, the false... Man, this this girl came in with the secret to my class, and I was like, "I'm all for thinking positively, but if you just just think positively oh and don't gosh. take any action, <laughs> yes. and don't think any like, and don't and don't concretely do things, uh, this will be bad." But to be fair, this girl also in our in our class, 
uh, guy is up 60% in the stock market when the rest of us are tanking out so badly collectively in our, in our mock uh, system. So you know what? Maybe it works. Maybe it's a secret. I would have used it on real money if I was her. But yeah, she's up 60% with the secret. And we're all like yeah, negative yeah. 100. No, I'm with so. you on that one. I'm with you on that <laughs> it's one. It's, it's, not, it's not just thinking, it's your behavior. They're both connected. And that's exactly what cognitive behavior therapy is. It's like your thoughts and your actions together. It's not just one or the other. Like you got to do both uh, of them. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The dog is thinking and acting like a dog. It's just dog. Maddie, who would you say is like the most psychologically at risk right now? Um, I think someone who knows that they already are prone to depression and anxiety, they are more at risk because this is naturally an anxious time. Um, someone who is more prone to anxiety, it might be even heightened their anxiety even more so. So they would be more at risk. Someone who is already prone to depression or is currently experiencing depression now that they have social isolation, that might just worsen their experience of depression. So they're more at risk. I think people who are at risk who um, are, they have to be quarantined by themselves maybe. Like maybe they don't have those social connections or maybe they live alone. And so maybe their experience now is more isolated than someone who lives with other people. So they might be more at risk. Someone who has a lot of additional stressors outside of this this pandemic, um, they are going to be more at risk because the more stressors you have, the more likely it is that your mental health is going to suffer. So if there's you know more of a financial burden, if there's maybe more of concern with children, maybe if their children have their own um, psychological struggles, that might make them more at risk because then that's something that takes a lot more energy to to learn how to cope with. So they might be more at risk. Sounds like sounds like a lot of people to me. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, 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 what do you, what do you do with the person who just wants to make jokes all the time? Like, you know, what she's saying is just believe all the voices in your head. So, you know, like just obviously not the advice for people. One of the greatest things that I was taught to me by uh, someone, uh, one of my mentors, uh, was you only project negatively into a blank space, or you tend to only project negatively into a blank space when you have nothing else to think about. Or you get don't get a response when a phone call when you send out to somebody or anything like your mind is almost only going to put negative things into that space. You're not very aware of it, and 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 I think that that is a risk that a lot of people are going to find themselves in. And you no, know, maybe they'll just and like they're out like maybe cable news, but I don't think it's going to help them <laughs> or anybody else. So. You know, for uh, yeah. just be aware of that with yourself. Like again, get aware yeah. of your mind if, for other people. Yeah, and, and also you get to, to choose what you think. Like for your example, you gave like if I text a friend, they don't text me back. I could think they're ignoring me. They don't like me. Um, they don't want to be my friend anymore. I'm the worst. You know, this makes sense because I'm not a great person anyway. And then I'm going to feel depressed and anxious. But if they don't text me and I think, oh, they're just really busy. They just have other things to do. Their phone maybe died. Then I'm going to feel calm. I'm going to feel at peace. The reality is I don't know Nobody's why they didn't dies. text me. Nobody's <laughs> phone dies. That's you not true, to, Darwin. Like, I know like, people whose phone that's, dies. That's, 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 wow. I know Darwin, people whose phone dies, the, Darwin. Make all the middle schoolers feel insecure. But the thing is that I don't. No, like that, that's never happened. Okay, your Darwin is a chronic, just like ignorer of texts, and he's gotten better. He's gotten so much better than his mid twenties. But I'm like, really, really bad uh, about it. <laughs> yeah, see, so you could not text me, and I could be like, yeah, "Well, Darwin I mean, doesn't like me," or I could say, "Darwin's just not a good texter and has nothing to do with me." Right? No, I definitely just judge Darwin. Right? That's the way it goes. Always judge Darwin. That's. Yeah, it that's my goal. I'm, I'm, I'm game, man. You know, like if you gotta 
vent your <laughs> emotions onto somebody, vent them onto me. That's what I'll do for you, buddy. <laughs> yeah. Your tie-dye shirt Hell that looks oh. like it contagion itself. All right. And, okay. uh, Maddie, thank you uh, so much for coming on to Lofty Darwinism with us. I, thank I hope you. Uh, you enjoyed this. Oh, like, yeah, you, I had fun. This is a lot advice. of fun. <laughs> we're, yeah. we're, we're a little on thank the odd so side, but, you know, like, it's what are you going to do? It's pandemic. You got nothing else to do. You got nowhere else to go. no i enjoyed it so we're doing more and more of these because you know people need content in the pandemic so as long as there you go darwin has contagious laughter so we'll just get everyone laughing so oh so do you maddie so do you yep can you say can you say coffee for me thank you so much maddie on the way out is that good enough coffee would you like to get some coffee darwin we can get some coffee and have a nice glass of water together in New York. All right, all right. Good, 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 good. <laughs> Ask him where his Texas accent That's right, the one. Right? Lofty Darwinism.